Mitchell. Welcome back to the Cordell and Cordell and Men's Divorce video and podcast. I'm Scott Trout, CEO and managing partner of Cordell and Cordell. And as we do each day, including on Thursdays live, we bring you the latest information from our attorneys around the country. And today I'm joined by Mara Bouguet in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Mara, welcome. Thank you, Scott. Good morning. Morning. So, also, when you know, before we get started and talk about the topics uh, that affect guys and as a result of COVID, you know, disclaimer I always do this, and that is it's not legal advice. I don't want you to take it as such. I'm only licensed in Missouri, Illinois, and Georgia, and my guest is from Pennsylvania. Again, this is more for educational and talking points for you to seek counsel. Obviously, if you need a consultation, we're available at 866 Dad's Law or online at cordellcordell.com. We can do virtual and telephonic conversations and consultations with you seek us out. We're here to help. And hopefully this podcast will give you the tools to try to get those questions answered. So go ahead and seek an attorney or we're available, but let's get right into it. So Mara, really, you know, one of the things that um, over the last number of weeks we've been talking about from around the country is really finding out what's the status of courts. And as a result, you know, some cities and some states um, courts are you know, we use this word closed. And, and when I think of the word closed, I always relate it to a restaurant. If it's closed, it means the door's locked and you can't do anything. There's no one working. So it, that word brings with it connotations of you can't do a thing, not filing. Face, maybe let's, we're going to talk a little bit about it, but start everyone who's listening off with what's happening in Philadelphia and the surrounding counties, as well as the state generally when it comes to the court system. What can happen? What can't happen? What's going on? Mm -hmm. So Pennsylvania is a little tricky because every county is different and has their own local rules and procedures. So what we're finding is our state Supreme Court is we have a web page where we can go and click on any county's most recent order with regards to their procedures. Um, some counties are allowing filings, although when you talk to the staff one on one, they're they're being honest and saying not much is happening with those filings once they're received. And then other counties are trying to implement as many remote procedures as possible on hearings, not trials. Trials are certainly stayed. Right now, our courts are closed through May 31st at least. Um, but again, each county can extend. Um, yesterday, one of our local counties, not Philadelphia itself, but one of the counties right outside, um, extended to mid-June. So with that, they're extending filing deadlines and those kinds of requirements. But you have to really look at your specific county's procedure to see, can I file something? Will it actually be processed? And can I have a conference? The so most recent development is that to have a conference in Chester, Delaware County, and Montgomery County are three pretty big counties where, where we are around, surrounding Philadelphia. Council or both parties have to agree to have a conference on substantive issues. So if one side is benefiting from inaction, they get to just say, no, I don't agree. Because they want to, I suppose the policy is making sure everybody has the electronic means or ability to participate remotely. So later mm -hmm. it's not an appealable issue is my guess. Yeah. You know, so um, it's still limited how you can get into the courts um, in most of our counties. You know, it's, it's a difficult thing because, you know, every Thursday we get the new and, and updated unemployment numbers, and now we're over 30 million unemployed. And, you know, it's a staggering statistic because, you know, you've got probably figure 15 million guys, half of those, so about, let's just call it 8 million divorced guys right now who mm -hmm. likely have an issue paying child support or spousal support. 
and they're trying to figure out what do I do? How do I make these payments? Where am I going to be in trouble? And they don't know where to turn because all they hear is courts closed, courts closed, nothing can happen. And so that really leads into the conversation of, you know, we've talked about two weeks ago, one of the mistakes is doing nothing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've talked to a couple of attorneys around the country in New York, They're, they weren't taking any e-filing. And then Pockets in Florida were taking no e-filing. So you couldn't even put any in notice. And one of the important things and why I think today's topic and talking about strategies when your courts perhaps aren't taking filings is paying attention to, you know, this notion of retroactivity. And mm -hmm. we use that word really loosely because it's a legalistic word. But what it means is, and I want you to comment before we get into the subject, is for guys to take action, if you feel like, and your attorney says, look, you're entitled to likely a reduction based upon this unemployment and your potential employment opportunities, uh, that child support amount continues to accrue until something, until, so typically in Missouri, for example, um, I can give the judge the power to make the new child support order retroactive back to the date of filing, meaning that if I owe 500 now, and ultimately says you owe 100, I get a $400 per month credit all the way to the date I filed. So what is Pennsylvania's law as it relates to retroactivity for anything, support or maintenance? Luckily, it's the same. So we okay. can go data filing um, under these circumstances. There are some rare circumstances where you can go beyond that, but in this instance, it would be data filing. And so the key is, and we're talking to all of our clients early on, if you experience reduction in income or unemployment, mm -hmm. um, filing as soon as possible is what you need to do. And luckily for us, our local domestic relations, which is the, the department within the court that handles support is saying, file it, you'll preserve, mail it in. Or we fortunately do have a statewide e-filing system. It's imperfect because it's statewide, it's not county specific, but it is preserving effective dates. So certainly if there's an issue, that's the key. Send it in. Hope that it gets timestamped, whether you get it back or not. Right. Try to use the statewide system and, and preserve effective date, right? Right. You know, we had an attorney, uh, I believe in New York, mail or overnight their pleadings because the courts were technically closed. And the question becomes, well, it was returned to them. Courts just didn't accept it, didn't file it. So is a strategy, and I, I've heard this, a strategy, a good one to take a pleading for child support or whatever it is your relief is seeking and mail it or overnight it or to opposing party and or their attorney to kind of put them on notice and if so what's the advantage of that mm -hmm. well i think certainly with support beyond notice i'm going to ask for retroactivity for a modification so in but another example would be in one of my cases um i had an opposing party well let me back up. Philadelphia is a very overcrowded court system. And so it's not uncommon right now if I ask for a divorce master's uh, hearing, which is our lower level initial hearing, that I'm not going to get it until the winter. Literally no exaggeration. And so I have, you know, these clients that are paying spousal support, the other sides in the, you know, in my particular example, I have opposing party doesn't have an attorney and she lives in the marital residence and uh, she wants to keep it. My client's fine with that, but she'd need to refinance. She knows she's not going to be able to. So this is the perfect opportunity for her to, I don't want to say squat, but well, the court system is not available to me. And so I'm just going to kind of hang on and I can stay here. And I know we're not going to get a hearing if the courts don't reopen until the end of, you know, say May or June. Well, I'm now I'm looking at next spring for an initial hearing. And then I have appeal process after that within the Philly court. 
So what I said to my client is, why don't we, she's pro se, she's not taking this seriously. Why don't we file a petition or excuse me, prepare a petition for special relief. Tell her we're going to ask for attorney's fees to compensate for the difference with our client not being able, he's renting. Let me back up. He's renting. And our argument is, well, he's throwing away money on rent payments that aren't invested. He should be able to buy a home. He can't. He's on this mortgage where now he's not able to get a second mortgage and he'd otherwise be able to invest and get some return if he could purchase his own home. So she's there and she's not taking it seriously. So we sent her a petition where we said we'd ask for attorney's fees. We'd ask for a credit and equitable distribution for her sort of not moving forward and at least seeing if she could pre-qualify to refinance. And within a week I got, we got a property settlement agreement. We had an agreed upon period where she's going to try to refinance and if she can't, because otherwise she was just going to stick her head in the sand. So it, it was very successful. And I've done the same thing with discovery If the other side's not giving anything, prepare your motion to compel, send it and say, I'm sending this in, whether it's scheduled or not, it will be at some point. And here you need to, they're still not gonna necessarily comply within state rules timeframe, which in Pennsylvania is 30 days, but it, it is getting a little traction. It just has more teeth than a letter for sure. Yeah, right. I have to believe, and I think it was Rosario in our San Diego office, same thing, thinking she had a conversation with a judge kind of off the record that said, look, the courts, we've kind of talked about this. If you can't get filed, we're going to look at service, informal, non-filed petitions as kind of the line of demarcation for retroactivity, mm -hmm. meaning that if a guy serves mom um, with an unfiled petition, judge is going to give it great weight to go, because they're courts of equity, to go back to that date of putting the party on notice who then refuses to engage in a conversation. Um, and I, don't you think that that's probably something that, I mean, makes sense to you? I think that most judges, because family were in a court of equity, they're going to consider when was this filed? What efforts did the attorney or the, uh, the party make while the court shutdown was in place? Um, so certainly sending to the other side a petition, here's our issue here's our proposed request for relief from the court. Number one, it shows good faith attempts to settle, which obviously all of our judges appreciate. And it does show, this is when you took a very serious effort to rectify this problem. We're gonna go back in whatever relief that we provide or grant you um, to that date at very, you know, at very least. I think it's important to show all the judges wanna see attempts to resolve these um, issues out of court they're aware that there's gonna be a lot of backlog when they reopen. So I think that it goes a long way to them to see that council took serious efforts to try to resolve something during the shutdown. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think not only that, it's again about guys taking action when they can and not sitting around waiting and then, you know, lollygagging and saying, well, you know, COVID. And I think this is hard to get this message out, but I think it does show proactivity. I think you're 100% right. For some dads out there, the coronavirus pandemic has become a pretext to limit access to their children. Other dads have been pushed out of key decisions affecting their children's lives. If you're one of those dads, Cordell & Cordell is here for you, as always, but with expanded services. We can meet you in person or by video conference on weekdays, evenings, or weekends. Our goal is to step up our service to meet your needs now. So one of the other issues is really, what do you do with childcare costs during COVID-19? And, you know, 
a lot of facilities are either um, shut down or you know they're varying their terms. What what do they need to be considering out there when it comes to childcare? So I think for obligor, for the person who's paying, some daycares we're finding are still charging or were still charging for part of the shutdown. And you know, some support receivers were saying, well, I'm still paying, I'm still paying, so you still have to pay me. Obviously, if you don't have the best relationship with opposing side in terms of, of, of trust, contact the childcare provider directly, get an understanding of their policy um, to see if they are in fact charging or were charging for part of the COVID shutdown. Um, you're going to want to be reasonable with working with opposing parties. So if the daycare provider was charging legitimately during part of the shutdown, try to agree upon, okay, we're going to still split this cost. But at some point I've had some clients say, you know, enough is enough. They're still charging, but my clients, my, excuse me, my child has been out for, you know, eight weeks now or seven weeks. Um, so I think that everyone needs to operate with a little bit of common sense. Um, I, for example, had a client where the child goes to an at-home daycare and this woman you know, doesn't have really overhead and she's saying, oh, I'm still charging $600 um, every two weeks. And my client decided she wanted people to still pay, obviously. And my client said, you know, no, I'm not gonna pay because you don't really have overhead or operating expenses. My child's not there, there's no service. And I told him, I, I don't, um, I don't want to use a double negative, but I don't disagree. You know, I, but put aside some money. Don't go spending it all. Like now this expense is alleviated. We have no idea what the court's going to do with this. So I said, just put the money aside and let's be ready for whatever the court decides. But you really have to get the information from the child care provider and you have to work with the other side and you try to defray those costs. If they have to get supplemental, if the other side has to get supplemental child care now because the daycare facility or whatever child care facility is no longer in operation, try to defray by saying, I'm available and say that in writing. You can always say, mm -hmm. I offered my services at no cost. You know, I'm the other parent. I wanted to help defray those costs. Yeah. I think, you know, this pandemic presents so many unique challenges and questions and uh, issues that there's really no clear cut answer anymore, especially with childcare. And Maybe it's a solution of, hey, I get it. You have to reserve your spot, but you're not to pay the full amount. Maybe guys right. think about having a conversation of, okay, you know, negotiating with both the, your spouse or your ex-spouse and saying, okay, let's pay half the amount just to keep the spot open. As, as you suggest, you, know, you don't have the overhead, you're not open, child's not there, all kinds of unique opportunities. But I, I just foresee as we get into the court system at some point, I guess, there's, you know, somebody's going to have to file something at some point if you're the payee or the payee. Don't you think at some point are there options for guys that they file something later on once court system's back open? I mean, I think so. In other words, if they're out of luck because they, they've paid this whole time, not out of luck, but they, they're out all of this money, I think there's an opportunity to apply a credit. Um, yeah you know, to, to their child support account. And all the courts, any local bar association meeting right now is saying, they're admitting, you know, when, when the court comes into those meetings, they're saying, this is uncharted territory. We don't exactly know how we're gonna rule on these issues yet. So we're all a little bit in the dark. You just have to act with as much common sense as possible and sort of brace yourself for a result either way when the court yeah. does reopen. And it does mean, I think what, if I'm a judge, I'm going to be encouraging the attorneys more than ever when they're facing issues that judges have never faced before, work it mm -hmm. out, you know, find mm -hmm. a resolution here because I don't want to have to issue something that is unique, uh, a yeah. case of first impression. 
and then start angering everyone because that's what's going to happen. You know, you right. control your own destiny to some extent if you have a reasonable attorney on the other side, mm-hmm. a reasonable party. Be creative. And I think ending, <clears throat> kind of wrapping up what we've been talking about, one of the things I suggested was a conversation with your attorney to reestablish your goals, rethink them, because especially during COVID, maybe your goals were a little too aggressive now. They weren't then before right. COVID, but they are now because right. not only are we facing unique circumstances, but we're facing tenfold delays. You may not mm-hmm. be heard, as you suggest, in previous until winter. Now we're probably looking at the next summer. You know, there are some jurisdictions like St. Louis County, um, the typical average is eight to 12 months. We're probably looking at 16 to 24, mm-hmm. which yep. takes us back to when I first started practicing in the 90s, early 90s, where two plus years was not unusual and it was crazy. So yeah. as you, I think you point out, a, a conversation with your attorney, thinking about goals, talking about strategy, considering filing, you know, putting people on notice, writing, negotiating, it's hugely important for guys, I think. So- it is. That's great advice, Mara, and I thank you for joining us today. The guys really just have so many questions. They don't have answers, and they can't find it on the internet because these are unchartered territories and times. So I appreciate your time today. Thanks for letting me join. <laughs> well, as usual, we'll continue to bring you the latest information. Continue to tune into our daily podcast. Check us out at CordellCordell.com and tune into our virtual town hall meeting on Thursdays where we join a panelist of Cordella Cordell attorneys to answer your questions live. Until next time, have a great week.